You're listening to the Two Tongues Podcast. And now your hosts, Kyle and Chris. Chris and Kyle. In the house, in the basement. Coming at you, you guys. Coming at you. Hey, speaking of the basement, uh, the, the studio is uh, is in its final stages of completion right now. It is. It's pretty good looking. It's just about two more strokes before completion. Okay. Uh, we've got we've got a little bit of trim work. We have a little bit of caulking, a little bit of paint, and it is done. We, we got a couple lights after going, and then it is done. A little caulking. A little a little caulking, you son of a bitch. <laughs> so yes, yeah, so it's cool. Um, you know, it's nothing crazy, you guys. We just have a, a dedicated spot now. Uh, with some soundproofing, and we're hoping, guys. I mean, you're all very kind for never bringing it up, but there's so many times that the dogs are barking upstairs, the kids are crying, and in one in one instance, it, it went on for like ten minutes. <laughs> so I don't remember that. Oh, I remember it vividly. I still I'm still butt hurt over it. I am 100 percent convinced that it bothers you more than it bothers anyone else. Mm. Um, but it might bother some people, but it doesn't bother me at all whenever I listen to it. Honestly, I, I barely even notice it. But Well, I appreciate that. And um, the thing is, it does bother me. Yeah. And uh, I'm, I'm hoping that this is the solution because even though we're basically 20 feet from where we are right now when we're going to be in the studio, it's, it's insulated to, to, to shit. It's, it's fully insulated. And, we, and all the things, like uh, even the floor, because right now we're literally in the basement sitting on a concrete floor. Even the floor now, it's got a floating floor, so there's a little bit of an air pocket in between the concrete and the floor. Even that helps. Yeah. So we're just doing every little thing we can, including um, sound, some, some soundproofing shit. So uh, it's going to be bright. It's going to be uh, di- much different from Stu Hart's Dungeon. You're not going to be able to call it Stu Hart's Dungeon it's anymore. It's going to be Con. bright. Oh, yeah, I guess there's six lights in there. And a window, motherfucker, and a window. Sweet. So, um, so yeah, I'm excited about that. Um, next next time we get together, it'll be in the studio. Fucking A, man. And you can bet your ass, man, as soon as the co- the contractors are gone, and I'm going to be painting, I'm going to be in there, man. You choose a color yet? Yeah, we just took the paint off the table when you got here. Oh yeah, I it's, guess I wasn't even paying attention. It's 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 like a blue gray. It's nothing. It's it's like similar to the the my old house, the color we had the whole house painted. Gotcha. It's just something neutral, but it's gonna be good, man. I'm I'm looking forward to it, and it's gonna give me a place to hang all of my beautiful Alex Gray paintings. Hell yeah, dude. I feel like it's gonna. I feel in a, in some ways like. It's like my little temple. It's gonna be my little temple, because it, to me the Alex Gray paintings are. They're like sacred icons to me, mm-hmm. like the way that you know medieval, like you know the icons of Christian icons. You ever think about you saying that? Just made me think of the you know I don't know the fact that I have some kind of desire for like the what is the word I'm looking for? What is the fucking word that I'm looking for? Like the tr- not tradition. That's not the word I'm looking for. Um, the uh, I want to say it's like pageantry of like you know the religion. That's not the word oh, I'm looking for either. Is it? Is there it, is a specific word, but it's just not coming to me. Is it the ritual? Ritual. That's yes. it. Yep. Exactly. It's funny you say that. Well, tell me what come what brought that to your mind. Um, just you talking about the Alex Gray paintings and how they were sacred icons, mm. and just thinking like, you know, you think of these atheist. Um, materialist types and there's no room for icons and you know 
things like that. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I think that maybe there's something to those things, you know? Oh, there absolutely is. Yeah. It's like um, it's like an, an object of meditation, just like just like when those same secular people go to, uh, you know, the, the museum, the art history museum, and they're standing there staring at Degas all day long, and they have that, you know, creative spark. They have a feeling of awe. All the same shit you feel in a, in a cathedral mm-hmm. in front of that religious art that does the same shit. And those atheists in their, you know, secular church. What is, what is, a, is a museum if not a secular cathedral? And they're in there having the same experience that, that you would have if you went to uh, one of the European cathedrals. It's really funny, man. Yeah. It's really funny. Yeah. I mean, I think that there are some differences, obviously, um, you know, in, like, intention, I guess. Um, what, do you, what do you mean? I mean, it... Well, I mean, like, what, just, I, I guess, like... I guess, the, I guess we're, 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 we're going into this question, like, what is the purpose of art? And I don't know where this podcast <coughs> is, is going to go if we yeah, start yeah. down that road. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't... I'm not... So, I like art, um, you know, but I'm not... Um, like particularly well steeped in especially like traditional art i mean you know i know a little bit i like art yeah um but the the extent of the extent of it for me is like a couple of humanities classes early in college that exposed me to some stuff that's like where all of my knowledge that's it's it's shallow on my part of the pool here too kyle yeah so it's like i don't know how i'm gonna really talk about it. it you know i can talk about what i like you know i guess that means something right but it's like um, <clears throat> when I said before about it being a meditation. It's like um, you you go and you stare at a piece of uh, uh, religious iconography. Maybe it's Jesus on the cross, or you know uh, Jesus in the, the nativity or something. And you're you you sit there and you stare at this picture, at this symbol, and you meditate on. You th- it makes you think about what it means, and allows your your mind your your mind to go down this path and that path, and, and try to get your get your head wrapped around the meaning that's there and even and even harvest some meaning from it that you didn't that you didn't have before you spent the time to really focus on it it's a it's a meditation and you know like i see people like my my grandma i love my love my grandma i've talked about her many times but she's liberal as the day is long Mm -hmm. and uh you know many of those people um those liberal type people they're the creative ones they're the ones that appreciate art and my grandma's no exception she uh, so so she lives in the sticks, basically, and there's been a few times where I've went, picked her up, and we went to a museum. We went to the Cincinnati Museum of Art one time, and uh, she loves it, loves it because it's high culture, because it's because it's culture, because it's high class, because there's because I think she does enjoy the um, you know the I don't want to call it elitism, but because I, I just associate that with with liberals, and I don't mean anything negative about my grandma, but. There's something about participating in that type of thing, like going to a gala. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like there's something about that that's that's for your ego as much as it is for whatever the purpose is of the thing. Yeah. Uh, but I'm not saying she doesn't enjoy the art. She does. And she's sitting there staring at the paintings. She's she's seeing mm-hmm. it in ways she never saw it before. It's making her feel emotions in a way it she, that she's never felt before. Sure. All the stuff art is supposed to do, So it's hard to talk about. Go ahead. I'll say it seems like there are two different types. Well, I mean, there's a bunch of different types of people. But in regards to this, it seems to me that there are two different types of people. One type of person is like your grandma who is, like, really excited. And the other part, or the other person, it's, it is very 
performative. You know what I mean? The excitement, the elation of going to the museum, the, you know, it's very pretentious. So, yeah, and I definitely wouldn't, wouldn't want to use that word talking about my grandma. Yeah, I, don't, yeah. I don't think no, that. No, no. I, I really but, do think that there are. like. But I agree with you, know, you but I, I think there's a difference two between. Two types. Sorry, I think there's a difference between, like, going to a gallery opening. And going sure. and going to a muse and going to the oh, yeah, National History Museum. Yeah, or yeah. The, you know what I mean. You ever been to an art gallery? Um, not a museum, an art gallery. You know what? I I have, but but as I recall, it was like um. You know, like a trendy one-room building in Lakewood or something. It was like uh-huh. that kind of that kind of a thing. But yeah, I've yeah. been to I've been to an art gallery opening. This, when I used to work at a an art place here, there was a guy who used to do. He was an artist. He used to do framing at the place that I worked at, and he opened an art gallery. And he had all these these artists from Chicago come in, and they were like, you know, graffiti artists and mm. shit. And it was kind of cool. I mean, you know, there's something about like graffiti art that is maybe not as pretentious as other arts. Although, I don't know, man. It's all but, like, but, I get, but, and I'm sure that like the graffiti artists have their own culture, their yeah. own hierarchy, and their own language, and like shit that only the in crowd knows about yeah but i have been at the traffic light you know at the railroad tracks uh waiting for fucking 12 minutes for this railroad to go by and i'm seeing tags after tags after tags yep. and i'll tell you some of them are awesome some of them are incredible and some of them and probably most of them are shit yeah but there's a few man that you're like this person is different yeah so i used to have a job where i was driving around i worked my home base was in downtown Cleveland, and I was driving all over Northeast Ohio. Um, and I used to notice the graffiti a lot when I was out there. And there was, I cannot remember the word, like the, the tagger mm. name that this yeah. guy would tag, but I saw this guy's tags all over the place. Mm. Like this dude was prolific. He was, I mean, not really super talented to be I mean okay I shouldn't say that he's more talented I, I don't understand how people like when I spray paint with when I when I paint with spray paint it just runs like it starts dripping oh, yeah. I don't understand how they do it oh there's a skill to it for sure um, so yeah I mean he's more skilled than I am but like as far as the quality of the work goes it's not one of those ones on the train that's gonna like blow you away but I've seen this guy's name I cannot remember the name for the life of me though so you know what this image popped to my head while you were talking and just I'll just I'll just tell it to you it's kind of like a dream alright as you were talking I imagined a train carrying some some expensive exhibit. Maybe it's like a mo- traveling Monet exhibit, and there's like there's like you know a, a billion dollars worth of paintings in this you know in this on this train traveling from city to city, and on the carts that of this train that is that's carrying this traveling museum museum exhibit are tags, mm-hmm. and those tags go all over the country touring the country for people like you and me to see at the red light just True. just like that traveling exhibit going from city to city taking monet all over the country those fucking tags are going all over the country in the same way man yeah true one of them is a little more um you know prestigious than the other the other one is like a, it's a crime technically you know <laughs> but it, but isn't it isn't it weird to think that like a graffiti like a good graffiti artist uh, maybe like a legendary graffiti artist in Portland might be, you know, at the train yard tagging a, a train car, and right next to him is some awesome tag that he admires, and it's from some guy halfway across yeah, the country, is, you know, and he's just like, 
you know, I just wonder if they like, if they like, they must um, recognize the tags and say, oh, that's that's what's his name, you know, mm-hmm. from, and he he's from Brooklyn, or that's what's his name, he's from whatever. Especially now with like Instagram and shit like that. Oh yeah. You know, I wonder if there's like a big graffiti presence on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Ta- I guess is that the has graffiti. That's what they call it, right? Is it tagging? That, well, I, yeah, I think so. I don't know. I don't know. I don't not know either. Cool or not. No, I mean, you know, not cool enough. Not at all. I don't know anything about it. <laughs> uh, where was it going to go? Shit, I had something, and now I lost it. I do want to say something about. Um, oh, I want to. I want to tell you about the Maps of Meaning podcast I've been doing. So I promised the listeners that I try to wrap it up in six because yeah. to me six seemed like well first of all it seemed like a nice even number where I could have three on one side on the front side and three on the back side mm-hmm. and um, you know it, it was going to take me a, a, a long time to get through that material um, but I, I and I could have taken you know ten sure. but I just like you know what I'm going to make it six so here's the thing man I got all the way to five and I'm like halfway through the book oh god so it means a couple things. It means that whatever strategy I have for trying to su- like summarize Jordan's message in using his words is is like way more difficult than I thought because paring it down is way harder than I thought. Yeah. So I'm using a lot more like reading his quotes and talking about them. Um, so the the anyway the episodes have been long, and uh, here I am. I got room for one episode left and. Uh, I basically decided that two two chapters of it I was going to have to skip. So I've got like the last little bit of the chapter that I was working on uh, on the last episode. Skip two chapters and then I do the I do the final one. Um, and it's just been weird. So I feel a little bit guilty about it because I feel like I'm cutting out stuff that might you know that might be valuable. But uh, I guess you can always double back. Yeah, I suppose. I'm just having I'm having trouble with it, but I'm actually I'm actually a little bit looking forward to being done with it because uh, when I am, I got like other ideas. Yeah. Uh, Plato. I want to read Plato. Nice. Never did. Never really did. A little bit, but never really. Nice. So I want to do Plato. Maybe I'll talk about it. What are you going to start with? The Republic or? It's a good question. Um, I'm going to go to SacredText.com. Okay. Uh, Shout out SacredText.com, and uh, I'm just going to read them in whatever order they're in. They're probably alphabetical or maybe chronological. So we'll see. Yeah, it'll be fun, you know, cool. because you know how we we talked about that on the last episode where um, one of those things people say uh, about philosophers is that uh, everybody's a every every philosopher that's ever lived has been a footnote to Plato, um, and if that's the case, uh, that that's definitely something I should probably take more seriously. I probably, I probably should read by now. Yeah, I mean that seems like, I mean I'm not disparaging Plato at all. Uh, you know, obviously Plato is. Um, you know he's Plato. What else? What else is there to say? Literally, um, but that seems kind of like a stupid thing to say to me. You know, like that everything is just like I mean, some stuff is like diametrically opposed to Plato. So that stuff is all just like a rehash of Plato. Yeah, because people say he invented the way of talking about it. Like he, you know, even if you're, we're all playing Plato's game, even if we're against him. Yeah, something like that. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. That seems silly to me. I mean, I. I I've always heard of philosophy, like, like kind of philosophical thinkers being broken down into Platonic and Aristotelian, you know, mm-hmm. and yeah. that those two things are very different. Yep. So it, they are, and it's funny you bring that up because that is it. Basically, is a pretty symbolic for the the culture today. It's like 
Um, yeah. If you've ever seen, have you ever seen that painting, The School of Athens? I don't know. Um, I, don't I think, think so. I can't. I, boy, I'm struggling. Who painted that? Uh, anyway, it's a classic Renaissance painting, and the uh, yeah, look it up. Um, but for those of you who if this might jog your memory, uh, it's like a classical building, like an ancient Greek building, and um, in the, in the building there's all these people. It's like groups of I don't know, maybe uh, 30 people are painted there. And uh, every one of the people represents a great philosopher. My favorite Ninja Turtle. <laughs> Raphael. Yes, indeed. So across, across all time. So in, in the front, you see, you see an old man, and he, he's going like this. He's pointing up. Yeah. And that's, that's Plato. And then behind him, you see a younger guy with a, with a brown beard, and he's pointing down to the ground, to the earth, and that's Aristotle. Yeah. And so, and so you're, you make a great point. Um, that split in classical and philosophy between Platonic philosophy and Arist- Aristotelian is basically Plato, Plato was a spiritual guy. He talked about things that Aristotle did not, like on purpose. Um, he, he, where Aristotle was the, the be, he was the beginning of science. He was the first empiricist. Yep. You know, he was, he was the guy that basically started, off, started us off on the scientific method. Um, for that reason, Aristotle didn't get into this to the to the hippy dippy, mm-hmm. where Plato's talking about the um, the world of forms and Platonic forms, Platonic solids, talking a lot about geometry and and basically the basically the the stuff that we talk about in terms of the matrix of being, the the Terminator two substance behind our subjective reality, whatever objective reality is, he talked about that. All the time, he mm-hmm. talked about that mathematically. He talked about that with words like essence, and uh, Aristotle was not having that. Yeah. Ar- Aristotle was like, he was like kingdom, phylum, genome, species. <laughs> you know, like what can I observe? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And basically, every philosopher since then has been every important philosopher, according to the West, has been in the Aristotle tradition. You yeah. Know? Yep. But I like the Platonic stuff, man. It's uh, it's definitely got its own. You know, area of interest for me. I mean, I think Aristotelian stuff is cool too. Like, you know, absolutely. I think it's cool. You know, knowing about animals—that's cool. It's cool. <laughs> but you know, Plato's the guy that 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 said that there was things that could be known about objective reality, and Aristotle said, "I'm not so sure." And I'm I. Did you, did you flip that? No, Plato. Oh. Plato believed that there was knowledge about objective reality, about the Terminator 2 substance. Mm-hmm. And Aristotle thought you couldn't even ask questions about that. It was oh, beyond okay. our knowledge. Got it. You know, don't even, like, like Neil deGrasse, don't even ask. You're asking their own <laughs> questions, yeah. All right. Uh, okay, so then I had another thing I wanted to talk about. And this is, all, I'm going to start, I have a couple of things that have been um, in the news recently that are political, that are interesting. Okay. One of which I texted you already. Yeah. Um, but before I get into that, and because I'm drinking a little bit of bourbon right now, I want to ask you a question that you're probably not going to be able to answer, and it's probably going to frustrate the listeners, but it's a question that's been on my mind that I haven't exactly tried to answer yet, Mm -hmm. and I got this weird sticking point about it, and here it is. When we get into all this hippy-dippy stuff about uh, reality and consciousness and all this this stuff that we like to do, one one of the words that comes up is psyche, and we talked about that, like, um, like the word spirit, in the old days was something like what we would say psyche today and there's all this stuff that modern psychology popular psychology has put in our vocabulary about that 
so we can say the word psyche and people people pretend like they like they understand that like they know what that means and there's all kinds of words like projection and um uh help me out here these psychological terms um repression and uh you know all all these words these pop psych words that are part of our vocabulary where we can use them we kind of understand what they mean and we pretend like we understand what they mean sure but if you ask somebody what is psyche or what is spirit i don't i don't know how to even begin to answer that question yeah, I mean, I know, I guess I know how I would start to try, but I, yeah, I don't know. It's a complicated thing. So I, you, I might ask you to try, but I might ask you to try. I don't know exactly when to lay this on you because it, because I think it's a powerful thing, but I, I don't know that it's going to come across that way, but let me just ask you, put it this way. So when I'm thinking about psyche, it, the word imagination seems to be connected to that really closely. It's like, um, you know, like, we've done this podcast to say close your eyes and picture something mm-hmm. it's like whatever it is that I'm visualizing is in my psyche I, I, I don't know if that's the right way of saying it but it sounds right to me um, so, so the, thing that, the thing that's been I've been stuck on that's interesting to me is that this word psyche which we also kind of use to talk about our like the place the place where our personality is located and the place where our you know whatever it is that animates our body like like all of those ideas are connected to this thing psyche's kind of like mind it's kind of like that word yeah um but it's also kind of a a place and this is this is what what i'm talking about that's been that i'm stuck on and i'm wondering what you think of this it's like when i close my eyes and i imagine something it's in a place mm-hmm. yeah i mean i know what you mean because when you were just talking about that when you were talking about how you know you like you close your eyes and you imagine something you've got this image in your head i was wondering to myself you know it's like the thing we talked about in one of the last episodes it's like if i imagine you in my head can you imagine can that you in my head imagine me <laughs> in its head yes you know what i mean and, yes. and so it's like that's a, if dude. i can if i'm imagining you if i'm sitting here and you're in this like black space but it's like somewhere you know, it's like, are you, is that thing in my head that looks like you, is it like looking out at a world? Is it in a park? You know, I mean, who knows? Well, you know what? That's exactly the right question. And, and I'll take it a step further. If you are sitting here with your eyes closed, imagining yourself, then the self that you're imagining that's, that's now appeared in your psyche, it's also imagining itself. Right, because you're imagining yourself, imagining yourself, right? So you're doing that, and the thing that you're imagining is doing that. There's no doubt in my mind. So now, so now you've got this place that your that your, you know, psychic uh, vision, for lack of a better word, is occupying, and you have a place within it. You have a psyche within a psyche, and it's just it's fractal. Just, it's, fr- it's fractal for sure, and it, and I, I keep I keep circling back to this idea that that the that the infinite black of my imagination, um, that it, it, it reminds me of the infinite black of space. <laughs> that, that, that the psyche and the cosmos are yeah. connected in, in ways that we don't understand. That's really interesting. Yeah. Um, when you, like, if you close your eyes and you imagine yourself in your head, you are in just like a black space. 
It's just like you, your best recollection of what you look like in a like a black, you know what I mean? Well, like you're floating in space. It's it's really funny because I'm closing my eyes and I'm trying. Yeah. And what's funny to me is that I, I can't control the picture I see as much as I feel like I can. Mm-hmm. So when you say that and I close my eyes, I do see myself against a black space, but only because I think maybe only because we just put it in that context when I tried to imagine it. So that's what was there. Then I couldn't change it. So then just now trying to change that image in my mind, I couldn't fill in the background. It was black. Yeah. And, and just just for the audience, the picture that appeared to me was was me wearing wearing all white <laughs> with my arms spread stretched out and my legs completely together floating like Jesus Christ through space, <laughs> like a glowing, white, glowing, crucified oh Savior in outer space. That's hilarious. Yeah, what is that probably says some weird stuff about me. <laughs> um, I don't know what it says about you. I'm not a psychologist. I refuse to, uh, to speculate. I, I like my Jesus to party. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I like to picture my Jesus wearing a tuxedo t-shirt. We just watched that. <laughs> Standing at the, in the front row of Leonard Skinner, and he's hammered drunk. Uh, All right. Um, how about this? All right. Nancy Pelosi. NP. Nancy Pelosi. No right. problem. So listen, guys. Um, I'm just going to tell you, I don't follow the news as carefully as I should to be on the airwaves talking about the news. Fuck that. I don't like spending the time. It's so frustrating for me, man. He, and it doesn't even matter anymore. Fox has become as bad or worse as, as any of them where... 90% of the shit I see on there isn't even news. I don't even care. I don't even... Why are you telling me this? Yeah. It's so frustrating. Uh, where am I going? Oh, so then I... So then uh, there's all this shit going on with, um, you know, like all the all the government spending we've done during COVID, and there's this infrastructure bill and all this stuff that they're trying to, to spend even more money, and we're yep. talking about, like, record-breaking amounts of money and yep. all this stuff. So Nancy Pelosi, I don't know if you, you if you saw this... And this is tied into the postmodern conversation we tried to have last time. Got it. Nancy Pelosi used the word human infrastructure. She uses the word human infrastructure, which has never been used in the history of of, of the English-speaking language ever. Okay. Because she was trying to get social programs and health care funded by the infrastructure bill. Oh, wow. So she invents a word... She invents it out of, she pulls it out of her hat, human infrastructure. Hmm. And, and first of all, it's one of those words that like, when you hear it, you're like, especially if you're a dummy and you, and you don't want to be, you don't want to be in a position where you, where you are exposed for not knowing, right? You're just going to, you're just going to nod your head. Human infrastructure sounds like a legit thing. Human infrastructure. Human infrastructure. And so, um, anyway. It's, it's a word that doesn't exist so that she can try to make it mean something that it doesn't mean and is never meant. And I don't know what, I don't know how I feel about it. I don't feel good about it. I, you know, I, I feel like that's a very deceitful and dishonest thing. Um, and, you know, and I, I resist the changing of meaning of language and I have mixed feelings about that, but I don't like it. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's the conservative part of me. I don't like it, Kyle. Yeah. And this uh, is particularly egregious. Yeah, this is stupid. I, I mean, I think that if if you get money for human infrastructure, you better have people, like, holding up bridges and shit. You know what I mean? You better have people, <laughs> Atlas like... style. Exactly. <laughs> um, but I just, I just... I don't know. I There's no way Nancy Pelosi came up with that. That was some, some f- 
dipshit who works for her, probably. I'm sure. Um, but the ball's on her, man. Yeah, I mean, you know, she's like a... Dude, she's a gangster, Nancy Pelosi. A gangster. She's been around doing it a long time. Jesus. I mean, it's just... It just it just feels like manipulation, and in this case, it, in this case, it really is. Yeah. But it's just like you know what we were talking about before, where if it's possible for you to invent a word or to invent an idea, um, it presumes the the existence of the thing. All I have to do is get you to buy into this made up shit that I've that I've spewed out of my mouth, and as long as enough people agree to it, this is the thing now. So this is a stupid question because I'm sure I know the answer. Um, did she go into any kind of specifics as to what she wanted funded? Um, yes. The healthcare was one specifically that came up. Yeah, okay. Um, and I don't know what the other social programs are, but so just there's this, lots of them. Okay. But this, the types of things that they would be spending on, uh, you, you might traditionally call welfare or, you know, the, t- the, the types of goodies that buy Democrats votes, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it's like there's a point being made that the liberals are, are making that I agree with, that I don't really want to talk about because I disagree with this so much. But what they're saying is that the old-fashioned definition of infrastructure were roads and phone lines and bridges and what, canals, right? And today we have, we have the internet. Yeah. You know, we sh- so, so we need to update the definition of infrastructure because could, the, could one of these programs, could one of these um, you know, n- new government programs be, you know, nationwide free internet, or at least at least the infrastructure that the private companies could buy or lease or use to make it to make it b- more broadly available and better all over the country. Might that be a worthwhile thing to do? Yeah. Um, but that's not being talked about. Instead, it's human infrastructure so that she can get what she needs. I mean. Guys, listen, I'm a dummy. I don't know anything about, um, you know, the electrical grid or or any of that. But I've heard enough people talk about um, electromagnetic pulses and the the idea that even like a a burst of energy from the sun could could fry the electronical grid in, in our country, that we should have Faraday cages that, you know, are built over all of our electrical grids. We should have some, and maybe that exists. Maybe this is why I see maybe I'm a dummy. Maybe that exists. But, but there's such a thing as a Faraday cage, and you could put it over top of your, of your generators and your, what, your equipment, and mm-hmm. when those EMPs happen, it will not fry your shit. I don't think we have that. I don't think we have that. Yeah, wouldn't surprise me at all. I, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't know the specifics on any of this stuff. Um, but... You know, I, I don't. I wouldn't be surprised at all if we are drastically underprepared for anything that might come up. You know, I mean, well, COVID has been a, has been an illustration of that. We're absolutely un, unprepared. Sure. Um, although COVID's a funny one for me because just what do you? I mean, what could have made this situation better? You know what I mean? I mean, imagine we had the. Imagine we knew today, then what we know today. What what might we have done then? Um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, a lot of the stuff was probably, that's probably things I wouldn't generally disagree with, like, like isolate more, more isolation and contract tracing and and uh, you know a more robust um, 
attack kind of globally right away so that you know like the, uh, the first signs of it we're sh- you know shutting down tr- travel we're uh, we're quarantining sick people we're ke- keeping it from spreading whatever that you know there's I, I could i could hypothesize about that but sure you know those are ways in which it might have been better but who knows i think and i guess i was maybe a little misleading in the way that i like phrase that i think that we should just have dot not done anything you know what i mean um I am not convinced that that COVID was anywhere near as big of a deal as their, pla- you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? I'm having a real hard time with these words today. <laughs> um, what the media is portraying it to you as, this huge deal, I am not convinced that it's been that. I think that, you know, five to ten years from now when we've got some space and we look back at this, we're going to be like, what the fuck was that all about? And that's unless you know unless the people who who did this are like still in power and then then maybe the information will never get out or maybe it'll get out like 35 years from now like like a lot of stuff that we know now you know like the gulf of tonkin shit like that it's like we look you know and now it's like you have something like the gulf of tonkin and there's decades in between and now nobody fucking cares you know what i mean you're right so maybe that'll happen with covid too but i am convinced that with a little bit of time we're going to realize a lot of these numbers are just completely fucked. So um, listen, I don't disagree with you about that. Um, I I think that you're right. I think that uh, COVID was used politically, mm-hmm. that the that the hype about its danger was partly to do with the lack of information and partly to do with um, the fear as a tool, as a political tool, and it was being used as one. I don't think it's... Um, it's you know, as 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 deadly or terrible as they have continue to make it out to be, sure. And this Delta variant can suck it, yeah. but um, uh, but this is the thing. This is the part that I maybe would highlight is that when it happened, when it first was recognized, um, and again, this I'm a dummy, so I don't know. But if this was something that was sufficiently different from what we were accustomed to, that we had no idea what to expect from it then I can see legitimately there being tremendous fear about what might happen because we have no idea what might happen. It's like when the atom bomb, when they were working on the atom bomb, yeah. and, uh, and Einstein said, it, it, first of all, it was impossible, and Oppenheimer said, hold my beer, uh, that, he, that he basically said that, look, we're, what we're going to do is start this chain reaction where we have enough energy to split this atom, and that, that's going to project energy when they, when they split that energy will then uh, impact another atom nearby and split it, and that'll go to the next one and split it. And next thing you know, you all of the energy getting released from these atoms is astronomical. That's what an atom bomb is. But, yeah. but Oppenheimer was like, look, we don't know if that chain reaction will stop. Yeah. Once we start it, the, the, whole, the whole atmosphere of the Earth might go up like a candle. It's crazy. And they dropped the bomb anyway, man. They did it. <laughs> why, why, why did I bring this up? Uh, the... the, the um, the atom bomb shit. COVID? <laughs> I don't know, man. You were talking about how, you know, people being afraid of COVID and who knows what's going to happen. And then you're talking oh, about like the yeah, bomb. They had yeah. no idea. Well, that's, that's basically the connection that I was trying to make is that we didn't know um, what might happen with sure. COVID. So uh, all of the overreaction and, and uh, even the hype in the media is understandable to some degree. Sure. Um, but 
and I don't know where the line is, but at some point it became obvious that it wasn't that, and the media didn't stop, and yeah. the health professionals that are politically, you know, inclined didn't stop. They just yeah. kept right on going. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think that's true. I think, you know, I, I kind of uh, was talking to my mom about Donald Trump. Uh, you know, she's a big Trump person, and, uh, you know, basically... They hold Trump up like the, these Trump people. They hold Trump up as some kind of like, you know, like saint-like figure. You know, like these people who are like really hardcore Trump people. You know, yeah. they like believe that he's some kind of like, um, like crusades figure. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, Batman. Yeah, exactly. And I was like, I, they have this ideology that like all the COVID stuff is fake, and that Trump is this perfect warrior for Christ or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's like Trump declared the national state of emergency. Like, I mean, that was on him. The push for vaccines, for the sped up vaccine, that was Trump. He panicked and acted like, in, you know, in my opinion, he acted like uh, like a child, like a scared child. Oh, we got to do this. We got to do this. I got to make it look like I'm prepared, you mm -hmm. know. Um, and but, well, look like he's prepared or look like, or look like he's doing something. Yeah, that's a better way of saying yeah. it. Look like I'm doing something, yeah. Yeah, but, like, what would you have done in, in that situation? When you didn't, what would when, I have what, done? Like, when you didn't know, like I said, a new disease, and you didn't know, and no, none, none of the experts at that point could tell you much. Yeah. You would lock shit down, too. You would push for a vaccine, too. I don't, I don't think so. What would you do, man? I would tell people to stay at home, you know, not, not like a mandatory thing. Look, it, it's probably a good idea if you stay at home, take precautions, all that kind of stuff. Um, declaring a national state of emergency before you even really know what's going on, you don't know that it's – like you were talking about you don't have any information. Okay, well, you don't have enough information to tell you that it's an emergency either. You need to like pump the brakes a little bit, um, behave like a grown-up, you know, um, instead of this – performative um you know no like, listen i i'm i'm going with you partly and i and i wonder if the difference between you and me on this is because i have kids and you don't because maybe. i want to act like a parent and protect right so maybe donald trump is is papa bear in this situation mm -hmm. and he's like i gotta protect my people yeah. uh you know i, I don't know why i don't know what that particular <laughs> accent came out of my mouth but uh uh yeah man um you know because I'm just putting I'm putting myself in that position, because I have, I have people that I'm responsible for. So if I'm the sure. president, I feel like I have lots of people I'm responsible for, and if and if there's some unknown risk, my instinct is to protect them. Okay. And your and your laissez-faire like like sensibilities is saying, well, you know, I I would have been more more cautious and more, uh, you know. Whatever. I, I'm not sure. <laughs> you know. I mean, I think. So when all of this COVID stuff went down initially, you know, I was pretty concerned about it. You know, I was uh, – the idea that a virus is going to come along and fuck people up is not unrealistic at all. So when this came along, I was concerned. Mm -hmm. And at that point, um, yeah, I, I mean, I don't know. I think that uh, just being honest with people – and not getting caught lying like Fauci did with the masks and mm. shit like that. Oh, yeah. Just being like, look, we don't really know what's go going on. This could potentially be a very bad virus. Okay. I think that means more to people, and people will be like, maybe we should stay home. Whereas no, when that... you say it's really bad, 
and then it you find out that you were lying through your fucking mm. teeth about the mask, then it's like, you know. Uh, yeah, no, I actually actually I'm coming around to you on that because I that's mean, because that is the appropriate level of honesty and it's transparent and it's, you know, legit. And and it and I wonder if that type of a message would have caused even the type of panic that we saw with people um, buying up san- hand sanitizer and and, oh, yeah. and masks in the early days, like would that ha- would it have would that sort of been behavior have been better or worse? Do you think if the message would have been like that instead yeah. of instead of like you know the way the way Trump handled it? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. I think I don't know. I think that a lot of the panic around COVID was because. Early on, it was reported as being very bad, very dangerous. And, I mean, it, is it is it controversial at this point in 2021 to say that it's not really? I mean, sure, if, you, if you're in, like, a key demographics and shit like that, it can be bad. For the most part, look, I know people who have had it who are not healthy people, okay? Right, right. And they're fine. And old, old exactly. people, too, yeah. Fine. Yeah. So, I just don't, I mean... I don't know. I, I, well, listen, I don't disagree with that. Uh, I really don't. I really don't. Um, and there's a lot, I mean, and I, I, that's not a popular thing to say, you know, yeah. that, that they don't want you to say that. I don't understand exactly, but um, but I don't disagree with you, man. I think uh, another thing is to say that I don't think Trump can get on TV. I don't think Joe Biden really can either, although it's even more believable with Joe Biden. I don't think that either of them can really get on TV and say, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, you know? Oh, like, yeah. you're going to get crucified by the other side if you do that. Where it, I mean, in reality, that's like the most honest thing. You know, who fucking do, knows? Do you know, you know the only president that I can think of who could, who could get away with saying, look, I don't know. Yeah. Is Donald Trump? Yeah, I guess that's true. He didn't, but he could have. Yeah, he probably could have. And we would have been like, okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah. I guess he doesn't know. I guess he doesn't well, know. Well, see, that's the thing. Even with, I feel like maybe Trump might not have been able to, because he painted himself as this guy who had all the answers. You so know, I I wanted to bring up when I said Batman. I wanted to, I wanted to bring that up because I agree with you that there are the people like that that look at Trump as uh, a Teutonic knight. Mm-hmm. And it actually makes me think of that of that propaganda painting uh, of Hitler uh, as a Teutonic knight. Have oh, you ever yeah. seen that? Yeah, I have. And there's a story behind that painting, and I'm going to get off track and lose my train of thought. I guarantee it. But the story is very cool. If you guys, I can't remember who painted that painting, but if you just type in Hitler as a Teutonic knight, um, there's a picture of him like on horseback. You will be on a watch list. <laughs> there's, a, there's a picture of him on horseback, and it was one of these Nazi propaganda paintings that was designed to make him look heroic, but in this way, like this like this knight in shining armor, medieval, heroic kind of way. And um, it was hanging in a gallery, and somebody was in the gallery um, intentionally to sabotage this, this propaganda painting. And he, and he got black paint on a brush, snuck it in, and as soon as he... he he could. He ran up to that painting and tried to and tried to ruin it publicly yeah. as a as a stunt. Yeah. And what he what he did was he ended up getting one smudge of black paint underneath the eye of Hitler, before they snatched him up and threw him in jail and probably had him killed. And if you look at the painting with the smudge, 
it's way more badass yeah. because not only do you have not only do you have this you know Hitler as this Teutonic knight and with this on this giant powerful horse with all this armor but now he's got like the dirt of like war on his face yeah. and it looks way more badass and uh, you know I'm not at all a fan of Hitler or anything I'm just saying here this is an interesting story Aesthetics about are powerful they are they are and it, and it worked as propaganda before and after the uh, the, the sabotage yeah uh, why was I talking about this uh, because oh were, because yeah. of, because I was I was comparing Trump to to this okay. So they, Comparing so, Trump to Hitler, you fucking oh, live. Oh god! <laughs> uh, but the but the idea though is that um, is that there are people who make Trump a symbol. Now that happened on both sides, that, oh, and, yeah. we, and we talked about this on the other side already. The people that hated Trump, they don't they didn't see Trump. They saw everything they hated wrapped up in some flesh. Yep. And and it wasn't a person. It was a bag of all the shit they hated. Racism and sexism and homophobia and all the all the cruel peep all the cruelness of humanity wrapped up in a fucking toupee. That, yep. that that's who they hated. Yep. They didn't know him as a person. They didn't care about his policies. They didn't they didn't care about what he was trying to do. Not a single one of them. They just wanted they just they just hated him because he was a symbol of whatever they they wanted to destroy. Um, how he became that is an interesting question, and I have no idea how to answer that. But there are people on the other side, like your mom and somebody living in my household, um, who look at Trump as a symbol. They don't look at him as a person, yeah. as a businessman, as a father, as a as a, as a complicated and, and uh, you know mixed bag like all of us are. Um, they look at him as a symbol, like motherfucking Batman, yeah. as a symbol of of a heroic um, savior uh, who's going to redeem the people, as Jesus Christ in a tie. You know, um, but and I think I think the same thing about the about them that you're you're not you're not considering this realistically. You're you're not understanding Trump as a human being. Yeah. You're pretending he's something he's not. And I think that, like anybody, he he might he might enjoy that. He might enjoy the people who look at him like a symbol of something greater than he is. Probably makes him feel good. You know, yeah. it would for anybody. And yeah, you know, absolutely. including all the liberals who point fingers at him and and you know criticize him for that. You would feel oh, yeah. you would feel good about that too, motherfucker. Oh, I think he loves that. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah, I think he does. Um, and I, I mean, I, I think he loves. I really, I, I think the people who hate Trump would think that this is controversial, or at least they would say, I, I don't know about that. But I think that Trump. In the same way that he loves the people who um, like hate him, because I think he, I think he kind of feeds off of that. Maybe even a little bit more than the people who love him. Oh yeah. But I do think that he like does kind of genuinely care for the people who love him, mm. like the people who like kind of support him. Yeah. He, he, I mean, I've seen him like interacting with them in videos and stuff, and and I've heard this about uh, a Trump from people who knew uh, who have met him before like people who have worked in security and stuff before he was the president yep. that he's like for being a billionaire he's like surprisingly down to earth and like uh, like a normal person like not one of these um, you know like I, if you hung out with Bill Gates I'm sure it would be fucking weird you know right he's not gonna be like that accessible he's gonna be yeah yeah, Tr yeah. Trump seems like a regular guy yeah. more or less um, I agree so when you were talking about that, you were. You, I, I just wanted to ask you the same question. Sure. The question is, <clears throat> what motivates you more, realistically, admiration and love and that kind of thing, or like 
getting revenge or 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 the thrill of the competition to challenge like definitely the latter the latter yeah and that and so and i i don't know if i agree i don't know if i agree myself personally maybe but i definitely can understand that and uh i think a lot of a lot of men anyway would would feel that way would yeah. would feel like the, it, but you know what my wife she's right right in that same book she's way more motivated by competition and challenge she's way more motivated by like seeing where you know what she can overcome yeah and especially if it means pitting her against somebody else yeah so for me it's almost to the point where i'm so unmotivated by like i don't know what was the uh, how did you phrase the first one love and admiration yeah so i'm so unmotivated by that in some ways that like sometimes like when i do something good and somebody like loves me and is like uh, uh supportive i can be like unappreciative of that you mm. know what I mean because it's it's more of uh, you know I do tend to be particularly like you said getting vengeance like if I can vengeance. do something oh, to God, uh, yeah. you know I'm not even talking about like like violence or anything like that but if I, uh, just driving okay if somebody's trying to get around me if I can slow down and be a fucking pain in your ass I just love it man I enjoy the shit out of it are, are you a troll on the internet, Kyle? Do you? I troll on the internet. I troll on the highways. <laughs> oh, you know. God. You know, just uh, it comes naturally. No, it, I, it I, does. I 100% agree. Uh, that's something I, I struggle with, and I try to, I try to get less, um, I try to be less provocable that way. Mm. I try to have, I, I think having self-control that way is way harder than it seems and is way more valuable than people people imagine. Yeah. So... As somebody who likes to troll on the internet, um, I cannot imagine getting worked up at some shit that someone on the internet said. <laughs> you know, that's like part of the uh, the beauty of trolling is that it kind of makes you untrollable. And if somebody trolls me, they're really good. You know, like they got me. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, can you like you don't you don't really do the social media thing, but like. Can you imagine, like, just getting, like, bent out of shape about something that someone said on the internet? Somebody I don't know? Yeah. Uh, no. Uh, well, I'll, t- I'll, t- I'll take it back. I'll take it back. Um, I, <laughs> one time, I, and we've all been there, but one time I, sent, I replied to a message that my cousin put on Facebook, and one of his, and he's a super progressive guy, and his friends are super progressive people, mm-hmm. and um, I said something uh, completely benign, by the way, and the details I can't remember. But whatever I said was something directly to my cousin, but publicly for everyone, all of his friends to see, right? But it was benign. It was not something that was inflammatory. And yeah. one of his liberal friends lambasted me for like a whole paragraph, and I was like, "You motherfucker!" I, I, I don't know who this guy was, okay, but I was okay. like, "I was like, you fuck, you poked the wrong bear," and I and I and I got pulled into it, and it was like exchanging paragraphs and. <clears throat> That's something that for I'll never do again. By the way, it's yeah. a complete waste of time. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't getting anywhere with that guy, but I did want revenge. Yeah. <clears throat> and that—that's what I mean when I say that's the kind of self-control that I'm working on. Like I don't want to be provocable like that. Gotcha. I want—I want to have—I want to have the reins on myself. That if I—if I, if I want to release the fucking dragon, I want to be able to release it. Yeah. But if—but only when I want to release it. I don't want people to be able to release my dragon. So I understand that not wanting to have people release your dragon, <laughs> but you don't ever want to like try to like poke at somebody else's dragon. You're not uh, that you don't have any interest in that. Zero. Really? I mean, for the most part, like um, like if there's somebody that I encounter that I don't 
that I don't like, or I don't know if don't like is a strong enough word, but if I encounter somebody that, God, what word do I want to use? Like my instinct is to write them off writ large. Like mm-hmm. you don't exist. I don't want to poke you. I don't want to, I don't want to get under your skin or cause you a bad time. I just don't, you don't exist to me anymore. Like yeah. fuck you, man. Yeah. I won't even make eye contact with you. Just go away. <clears throat> I, I mean, I guess sometimes I feel that way too, but sometimes I also feel like I would like to make you look stupid. You know, I used to be like that, but I don't, I, I'm not, I'm not like that anymore, man. I, yeah. Um, because I feel guilty because I didn't used oh, yeah. to, I didn't used to, you know, but now what do you feel guilty about like if I, if somebody insulted my intelligence, uh, and I wanted to get revenge on them and like whip them intellectually when I was younger, I, I might try that and revel in that, that revenge. But now if I did that, I'd be like, you know, you, you're a dick, man. Why, why were you just a dick, man? Just then like, you know, yeah, you know, it's like so much effort to scorn somebody. It's like, it's just not, it's not worth my time anymore. Yeah, I mean, I guess that's probably the more adult way to look at things, but I just feel like, um, I mean, it's not like I'm out there trolling, like, you know, a dad just, like, posting pictures of his kids or something. Right, right. I'm I'm trolling Karens who are talking about how we should have vaccine mandates and things like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, I like making those people look stupid that's always a lot of fun uh, I, I like watching other people make those people look stupid see I, I, I bet that if I if I read the comments like, sure. like you know if I did that that I could enjoy that I don't I don't know that I would want to participate in it necessarily but reading somebody else do a good job doing it yeah. you know I, I can definitely see myself getting a chuckle out of that yeah you should follow Michael Malice on Twitter <laughs> alright alright um yeah I don't know, man. You got anything else to talk Cuba. about? And then, Cuba. Oh, Cuba. That's right. All right. This yeah. is interesting. and uh, It is interesting, especially because I'm going to Florida. I'm oh, be shit. right there. So here's the thing, man. It's cool to see the protests happening in Cuba against communism because, because I believe that generally communism um, leads to... Um, a far worse quality of life for the people who are in those systems, and if Cuba could get out from under it, especially being so close to us, as a trading partner, as a fucking yeah. vacation destination, yeah. Cuba could be very, very wealthy and improved, um, and the life of their citizens improved if they had um, a government that could have relations with the United States, and as long as they're commun- communist, that's not going to happen. Um, so, there's some, there's, I have reasons to be hopeful that that could be good for us and them and seeing these people protest uh for freedom it's cool to see um because shit i mean like when was the last time you saw a revolution that was for that was for legitimate democracy you know well you know and i'm not talking about the costume of democracy like all of the all of the things the countries in you know central and south america that sure. you know have unstable governments and, and all that, the corrupt, you know, mm-hmm. republics. Um, but I, it, ju- it just seems like, you know, our whole lives, Castro ran that joint, and, you know, our whole lives, you couldn't, you couldn't smoke Cuban cigars, and, you know, that's how it's been. And, and you know, I, 
I don't see the protests happening in Cuba in, in, at all in the same light as the BLM protests or the things that we saw no. in this country. They have a legitimate grievance, a legitimate grievance, uh, and they're starving. Yeah, that's why they're that's why they're revolting because they're yeah. fucking starving. Mm-hmm. Um, there's and there's no reason there's no reason to starve. I throw away more food, fucking a, every meal. You know, then it's frustrating. It's a lush and fertile island too. And I mean, no Beautiful. reason at all. And it's so quaint, man. It's like uh, there's this there's an island up in Michigan called uh, Mackinac, mm-hmm. and it's quaint. And a lot of people will go there for vacation, and there's like a nice big hotel there and all this. But what's quaint about it is it's like this place where all these rich people lived once upon a time, and cars aren't allowed there. Oh. So everybody, all the houses and the, and the restaurants and stuff, they all have horses. They oh. have like like literally stall like a, a garage would be right attached you to the house stable. where you can stable with for the horses. That's awesome. And people still get around on carriages and stuff there, and it's so quaint because of it. Yeah. And Cuba has Cuba. You see how Cuba, I do that? Yeah, you're Cuba, like Brian Callen. <laughs> Cuba has um, all those cars from the 1950s everywhere. All those classic cars from the 40s and 50s. Oh yeah. That is that is such a trendy thing. Can you imagine? Oh yeah. A vacation like that? Like we're gonna go back in time. Scarface. <laughs> Scarface, man. <laughs> we're gonna go back in time. We're gonna eat coconuts. Oh yeah. We're gonna drive around in these impeccably maintained classic cars point is there's a lot of potential there um what so what do you what i mean what are your thoughts on this one thing that i think is you know it's par for the course at this point but i think it's particularly egregious is how it's being covered by like cnn and things like that couldn't agree more Where it's like this is because there's not enough covid vaccines um and maybe there's some truth in that maybe these people buy into it more than i do and they really want that fucking vaccine um, but it's about more than the fucking vaccines. It's about, maybe it's about, maybe it has some tiny little percentage of point to do with the vaccine, but it also has to do with all the other shit that you can't get them, you know? Right. Uh, food, mainly. So, yeah, I mean, so to help out the people of Cuba would... would Cuba. Would require, would require uh, political action, military action, actually. In a in a country that might be teetering on the brink right now, who knows? Yeah. So it's very dangerous and uh, pre- um, precarious mm-hmm. for um, Biden right now. I'm sure he doesn't know what to do. Um, oh, he definitely doesn't know what to do. <laughs> uh, I don't know who's calling those shots, but Biden sure as shit doesn't know what to do. Um, and so the one, so the biggest, obviously the biggest hypocrisy of the situation is, I just saw in the news this morning that a million people have been arrested by border security in, in on the Mexican border. Um, a million people since this since this began. If a million people were arrested, how many people do you think total have managed to get through? Probably twenty million. Yeah. You know, and they did say that the people that were arrested, many of them were arrested more than once trying to get over. So as soon as you take them back, they just turn, turn around and right come right around. back. Yep. So we've had, you know, cons- conservatively tens of millions of refugees come over from the Mexican border. You know, many of them Mexican, but also from other Central and South American countries. Absolutely. And we also heard that some of them from the Middle East and Europe are also managing to get in that way. So we're yep. having all of these people that we don't have vaccinations for. Um, coming over, uh, we have the we have the 
the liberals seemingly supporting that writ large. Yeah. Um, and, you know, the, obviously they're not saying this, but the obvious reason, motivation there is that those people are almost certainly um, going to vote uh, Democrat 100%. If, if they're able to. And the Democrats have been working on allowing them to be able to, whether they're citizens or not, over, yeah. over the last several years. So, you know, all of that seems pretty obvious to me. But when, but when you ask when you ask the Democrats why they support that, it's all about, the, you know, the quality of life of those poor refugees and, you know, bring them into the land of the free and the home of the brave where, where they can have an opportunity and, they, you know, their poor children are suffering. And that's how they talk. Yeah. But that's, you know, just the facade. So you've got that going on, where we've got tens of millions of people coming coming over that way, and them telling the people of Haiti and the people of Cuba, specifically telling them, in the, on the news, don't come, and if you come, we're going to send you back. Yeah. So so literally, just sucking the people in like, like a vacuum from the southern border, sure. and telling the people in Cuba 90 miles away to stay the fuck home. Yeah. And I haven't heard a single person, a single politician or a single liberal commentator explain that away have you heard them explain no. that away no 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 they just I, ignore no. that and to say, be fair i haven't been like looking me, for an me, explanation me. but no i haven't and you know to be fair to play to look at this from both angles you know uh republicans tend to be completely especially trump republicans tend to be completely anti-immigration okay uh, but now that they know that the cubans coming in here are like anti-communist likely to vote republican they're like more okay with it, and it's like you're both a bunch of fucking hypocrites. See, and I, I wonder about that because I, because I brought this up to um, to uh, uh, my one of my liberal friends, Sam, who was on a podcast. I brought it up to him uh, and his wife, um, and I, I asked him. I said, you know, do you think that that the liberals don't want um, the Cuban refugees in this situation? Uh, they're not re- extending an arm to them because. They believe when they get here, they'll vote Republican because that's kind of what I thought, too. Like, you know, there's probably a lot of them are Catholic, you know, maybe like like yeah. like, like they are coming up from Mexico as well. Anti-communist is the key. But that's the thing. Yeah. They're also living under this um, communist regime that's been difficult for them, for their parents, for their grandparents, for the great grandparents. And so so those people come over here. It's not to me. It's not obvious that they're going to vote Republican. But it is obvious that they're going to see the writing on the wall. They're going to see the hidden messages in the, in the liberal agenda that's screaming to them communism and power grab and totalitarianism. Yep. And uh, they're going to see that, and they're, they're not going to be fooled by that. What was Sam's explanation? What did he say? He, um, he said that, um, that they would vote Democrat when they, when they get here. Maybe he he thinks that they're because they're a minority group and that that the Democrats are the ones that that are you know basically buying votes from minority groups by pretending to to provide for them and protect them and and all that yeah um, bribes you know bribes yeah um, exactly the way Fidel used to tell you he wanted to mm. take care of you so I just think it's interesting I I really don't know you know what's going to come of it but if the Cuban people revolt I wish them. A successful, um, a successful, peaceful, democratic uh, transition to a, a representative government that the United States, Russia, or anybody else uh, stays out of and lets them do on their own. So the, you don't think we should get involved militarily? No. 
now if if somebody like Russia would come to the aid of of Cuba in the hopes of keeping that a communist um, system or something like that, then then it it changes the the game, and then you have to ask the question again: should the should the United States be involved? But um, but I, I hope that 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 doesn't happen. I hope that that they're able to elect their own people. They're able to write their own you know constitution. They're able to organize and and to figure that out. Um, and that we would let them do the, let them do the, it themselves. That's Highly what, that's unlikely. Highly unlikely, but I, I would hope. Yeah, and even if I think that maybe it might even seem like that, but I think if it comes, it, you know, if we go all the way through this and they come through it with, you know, a more democratic um, government, I will still even, believe that that there were, you know, the CIA was involved somehow. Yeah, you know. well, you're probably right. Yeah. Um, and, and whatever happens, man, even, even if they end up with a with another dictator like even if that happens mm-hmm. as long as it's uh, as long as it's more of a free market you know anything is better yep. than what they've got the, 100% the, the, the poor the poorest people will will benefit the most um, if they just if they just have you know a, a more free market so what do you think about you don't think that we should send troops down there what do you think about like an American who wants to go down and fight, like who wants to just go down there and fight with the rebels. <clears throat> that's interesting. Um, do you know that's what Teddy Roosevelt did? Yeah, well, he was a bad motherfucker in a lot of ways. Um, I think Teddy Roosevelt's Rough Riders were. I, I might be speaking out of school here. I I, I wanted to, I want to say that they were not a formal part of the military. That they, yeah. that they were. A private band of people, uh, something more like that. So yeah. some, somebody fact check that, but I think I think there might be something to that. Teddy Roosevelt was an animal, um, in, a, in you know in a good way and a bad way. Yeah. Uh, what was the question? Oh, what I would uh, so somebody wants to go there and fight. Jesus, man. So a U.S. citizen goes to Cuba and fights for one side or the other. Do I think they should be able to? You're asking, or what do I think about both? Jesus, man. Um, Jesus. That's a great question. It's like crowdsourcing an army. Jesus, man. That is a weird idea. Can you imagine? Like a, like a crowdsourced militia in the internet age mm-hmm. that can just draw up. It's like it's like in the in the feudal system in, in, the, in the Middle Ages that they would just go and get 12 people from this village and 12 people from that village and 15 people from that hamlet and 6 people from there and they would and they would call in the forces that way. Yeah, well, that's what kind of what ISIS does with like social media and stuff. You know, like they're trying to they're rec- you you hear weird stories about like some you know two girls who just decide they're gonna go join ISIS. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. End up yeah, getting like raped for three months. That is that is true. It's crazy, it's man. Fucking weird. Kids, um, kids are so dumb. That being said, <laughs> I can see myself uh, if I was a younger person being like, let's go down there. You know, like let's go fight some fucking communists. Listen, I guess I guess I don't think. All right, man. I, I, I this is where I'm torn. I'm kind of like, you should have the freedom to go if you want to go and and play whatever role you want to play in the world that you want that you want to play. Yeah. At the same time, I'm thinking, look, you're not going to stay. You're not going to live there. So you're going to go there and, and like it's like we did in the Crusades. When I say we, I just mean white people, I guess. The the, the, the European you know armies they went into the Middle East. They, I guess they wanted to stay. They, they, they were kind of kicked out. But uh, you go in there, you interfere with shit, 
you like yeah. interfere with like they did stay for a while with so. with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years of politics and you know uh, family structures and organizational structures. You yeah, go in there, you fuck it up, and then you just leave. Some part of me thinks that's not okay. Like yeah. when I say the Cuban people should be able to figure it out. What I mean is I think they should be able to do it themselves if a bunch of people, foreign people come in and, and help them. Are, are they doing it themselves, you know? Well, I mean, the French came and helped us in the American Revolution. That's true. They, they did do that. You're right. We wouldn't be here if they didn't. Um, I, guess, I guess it just... It, it just I think what it boils down to is whether I agree with the side that wins ultimately yeah well that's you know? important <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> because if it was a grassroots thing and Q- and the Cuban people reorganized another communism oh and they God. did it and they did it voluntarily mm-hmm. and nobody interfered with it and that's what, they, that's, that's what they wanted if that happened um, I would be disappointed fuck yeah but I'm also I would also be okay with it <laughs> I would also be okay with it yeah there are a lot of people a lot of conservatives that would not be okay with it they would yeah. say, if the Cubans make the wrong decision, we're going to fucking make it for them, you know? Yeah, yeah. I don't – I'm with you on that. I don't care. Like, th- this idea that we need to be, like, ridding the world of the presence of communism, I agree with these conservatives. So I think a lot of these conservatives, they say that communism is a bad idea, and I don't think a lot of them understand what communism is or why it's a bad idea. It's just like they've been hearing it their entire lives – and I just so happen to agree with the sentiment, right? You know, um, but so I, I think that's true for me on the on the other side of the coin, that I I feel v- kind of instinctually like communism is is bad, mm-hmm. and you know I've I've studied some of it, but not nearly enough of it to have an educated opinion. Yeah. But I was I was more brought up in the, I mean, you know, I, I, we grew up in the nineties. But it was more of a McCarthy type of a uh, um, culture. It was a still vehemently anti-communist. Yeah. Rocky Four, baby. Yeah. yeah. Rocky Four, Kyle. Absolutely. It, it, that's how we felt, and yep. that's what we were taught. And so, something changed. Isn't it weird though? How like I don't know how to describe this. It's like uh, we're out there, especially like back then, talking about how much we hate commies shit like that and it's still a big presence in the media but we're like you know like the communism it's like it, the the rhetoric anti-communism is was way up there and the the level of communism was here like and they've like kind of started to even out a little mm. bit uh yeah. we are way more collectivist uh than we were in the 50s say that's true and you know like half of the government may, maybe more than half uh, and i don't mean the government i mean of like Political, politically minded people will talk about communism as if it's bad, but there's like a lot more people who talk about it favorably than there were back then. What What do you think like the fatal flaw of communism is? If you had to, if just like what your instinct tells you about it, um, do, can you put your finger on it? Like, what do you think? Um, I just think that human beings, and not just human beings, but existence itself. It, if you think you have everything planned out, if you think you have everything accounted for, something's going to pop up and it's going to be a, a wrench in the gears. And you're not going to have planned for it and everybody's going to be fucked because of it. Yeah. Um, that's why that's, so that's I, pretty much it. No, I agree. I agree. And that's tied to that maniacal arrogance we always bring up and I love talking about mm-hmm. is the idea that you could presume that you could organize uh, the economy and centrally, that you could run things 
and have every variable accounted for mm -hmm. and predict every change and be able to perfectly manage it because that's the only way that, that it will work. Um, that to even suggest that is preposterous. And that's kind of what co communism says is possible. Um, it, you know, ha it has to be, you know, which I, which I, I do disagree with. Um, but you know, where I, uh, where I differ from you is, um, you know, as far as the fatal flaw of communism is it's so like in your, in your example, when you're talking about it being impossible to manage, uh, the economy, um, centrally, like, you know, one person or team of, you know, geniuses can't do that. Um, is that, uh, you know, like if you're, if you're in charge of how much food needs to be distributed and, and how many houses need to be built and, you know, how many shirts need to, need to be produced. It's like without a free market, you have to make all those decisions yourself somehow. Mm -hmm. And you don't exactly know what, how the somehow is. And that's a very difficult thing. For me, though, um, there's an example, and I, I can't think of the, the name of the colony. Uh, you, you, you suggested Roanoke, and it might have been Massachusetts Bay or something. But one of those early colonies, um, I think it was the, the first English colony or one of the first. And the story goes that this that the... Um, uh, you know the boat lands. They set up their community. They're trying to get settled before winter, you know, hits, and they decide to live communally because that was, at the time, it was considered to be like the Christian way, the, you know, to live. Yeah. So they decided to live communally, and what and so the idea was everybody was going was going to um, work and produce, and it was all going to go to a central storehouse, and they would all everybody would get the same amount of food, and it would be it would, that's how it would be. And so they, what happened was, uh, within a pretty short period of time, some people were producing nothing, and yeah. other other people were producing lots. And when it came to time to divvy up a little bit to everybody, the people who were producing a lot were not so happy to give it to people who were producing nothing. That, to me, is the unaccountable uh, problem. To me, that is the fatal flaw of communism, because in a communist system, um, you have to rely on everybody pulling their weight, mm -hmm. and motherfuckers don't pull their weight. Um, you know what motivates people to pull to pull weight is responsibility, and not everybody is equipped to deal with responsibility. Yeah, you know, that's true. Um, so you either weed all those people out out of your society, you know, and and sometimes we fall in and out of that that type of a of a you know personality or or whatever. So to me, that's the fatal flaw of communism. It's impossible. It won't work because it, it, because it doesn't take into account how human beings are. Yeah. Uh, it's funny that that argument against communism is the same argument that a lot of people use against anarchy. You know, it's like, well, you're not taking into account human nature. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, I can understand. Yeah, I can understand on some level too, but I think the advantage that anarchy has is that I can protect myself without the state coming down on me. Mm. You know what I mean? Do you think we're breeding out the hostility uh, that would eventually make that problem go away? Like we're getting more... Uh, <coughs> which, which problem? We're getting more gentrified and pussified. The levels of testosterone in, what, in the Western world are, are declining. Uh, rates of... Um, you know, fertility are continuing to go down in the Western world. I'm wondering if we're if we're evolving ourselves, if we're however we're managing ourselves, that we're becoming more and more passive, less aggressive, and that eventually we won't be warlike 
to the point where the problem that we can't account for unruly people in this utopia that that there might be a time where those unruly people don't exist anymore and then we have an, then we have an opportunity to be a utopia you see what i'm saying mm, i don't yeah, i mean i see what you're saying but i don't know i don't know <laughs> if it's going to work out like that um you know i just think that in the things that we talk about you know you value creativity you know what i mean and I feel like if you get rid of all of those people, you're not going to have any creativity. Everything's going to be fucking boring. And and well, if you get rid of the aggressive people, I don't I don't know that you're going to get rid of creativity. But I do think that whatever it is that's behind those ag- aggressive instincts and emotions is an important part of being a human. Yeah. And if we lose that, or if we if we can no longer talk about it, and you know, it becomes it, it becomes unconscious or something. Yeah. That's that's dangerous. I'm not you can't bury it. I don't know that you yeah, I don't know that you can get rid of aggressive people. I think that if you got rid of all of the aggressive people in the world, different people would you know people who weren't aggressive would mm. become aggressive. Or there would be be different kinds of aggressive. Yeah, for sure. <coughs> like passive aggressive. <laughs> I think if you could get rid of aggression, um I that's I don't know, for some reason that seems sad to me on some level, you know. You, you know what it makes me think of is like the type of uh, like verbal skills that you would develop to be able to like intellectually lash somebody, if 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 the idea of punching them in the face was just not even a consideration. Gotcha. Like you would just get so much better at like talking and talking thinking. Shit. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely, that's true. And you know, and I don't know. Um, you got anything else on that? That specifically, no. <laughs> All right. So I want to talk to you because I there's been uh, more and more articles recently cu- coming out about um, the election audit in Arizona. Yeah. Have you been reading any Not of those? Not really, man. Um, I know that people say that it seems like maybe stuff is happening, and hopefully, you, maybe you can clear me out, you know, clear it up for me a little bit. But I'll tell you the way that I'm starting to feel about Trump and those. Um, I don't know, like the conspiracy theories. I feel bad saying that, like I'm like casting, you know, that's not really how I mean it. I'm not like casting it, uh, I'm not casting a suspicious light on it just because it's a conspiracy theory. I'm doing it because none of the Trump conspiracies ever pan out. Nothing ever happens. Sure. So that's, uh, you know, when it happens, I'll believe it. Until then, I think it's just more like Q smoke, you know? Mm. So, but uh, what's going on? Well... So, I mean, most recently I heard that, well, the audit wrapped up and then that they were kind of crunching all the numbers and compiling all the data. And then there was some preliminary stuff that was coming out saying that there were, um, that there was uh, obvious evidence uh, that the numbers didn't match what was reported. Mm-hmm. So they didn't say, like, what that meant. Could it could have meant that Trump had a bunch of votes that weren't real. Could have meant Biden didn't. It could have meant both. They didn't say anything other than that the numbers definitely were wrong. Okay. And then... Um, recently, whatever, today or yesterday or something, um, I heard one article say what some were saying or, um, when this, all this election audit stuff started, that, uh, there, that there might be evidence of sufficient fraud to change the outcome of the election. So yeah. even if that happens in one county or in one state, it sets a precedent that could be very interesting. Oh, and yeah. That's what I wonder what you think about. Like, should this happen to be 
what Trump said it was, mm-hmm. just flagrant cheating, uh, almost one-sidedly for Biden, that result, and, enough, and to enough of a degree that resulted in his victory. <coughs> if that happens, and it, and it exposes the fact that the liberals stole the election, um, to whatever degree they did, yeah. and and it it uh, it invalidates Biden's presidency entirely. Like, whoa, man. Yeah. What do you think? Um, I don't have a hard time believing that that's the truth at all. Um, again, I'm skeptical that anything is going to come of it. We'll see. I hope it does. Uh, does the term accelerationist mean anything to you? No. That is, that is one thing that I would consider myself on some level is an accelerationist. And anything we can do to get people, like, doubting the legitis- legitimacy of all of this, I love and I want it to happen. So if this happened and all of these people were like, oh, they're lying and they're cheating and they're, they're just pulling the strings to make things happen the way they want to, I think that would be great. Um you know, I mean, I kind of feel that way about, like, the spending and stuff, too, because, I mean, you know, I feel like there's a crash coming, you mm-hmm. know what I mean? And I almost feel like, let's just do it. Let's just get it out of the way. I mean, I know that. That could be very bad, but... Listen, I, I don't know what dirty shit the polit- politicians get themselves into, but I know that many of them, maybe all of them, get themselves to, into some degree of shady dealings. Yeah. Um, Except Ron Paul. Ex- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe Rand Paul. I don't know. Yeah, probably Rand Paul. Um, I don't know where I was going with that now. Um, they all do shady shit. I lost it. Oh, wow. All right. Uh, oh, the article I sent you was about Schumer um, in- introducing a bill to legalize marijuana federally, mm-hmm. which I didn't read the details of. I'm not, not sure. Either. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't sure if it was decriminalized or if it was just broad- broadly legalized. But it, there was something in the article about releasing from prison all all of the uh, nonviolent drug criminals that are incarcerated. So as a part of the bill, that's what they're looking to do, which I think is really, really positive, actually. Yeah. It, it, it might be negative in the short term. I mean, releasing a bunch of people who have been in jail, uh, even if they weren't, you know, criminals when they went in, they're fucking criminals now. Yeah. You know, they're, they're you know, you don't come out of prison normal. Yeah. I mean, you don't. It's criminal college. That's it's criminal college, yeah. yeah. So... Um, yeah, I don't know. I definitely, generally, I feel very positive about it. Well, I don't know, man. I do have really mixed feelings about it. Uh, I think with the people getting out of prison, that's great. You know, even even though it might be, like, rough in the short term, I don't know. I just think it's good. I think it's know? good. I think it's good, yeah. Uh, now, so I have, I'm a much bigger fan of decriminalization than I am of legalization because legalization has this whole bag of bullshit attached to it that I'm not necessarily a fan of. Taxes and regulations? Taxes and regulations. I mean, you know, I, I think that if marijuana were to be legal recreationally here, I think that I would still probably buy it the way that I do. And I think that a lot of people, I, I think that like, people buying weed from drug dealers is going to be a thing long into the mm. future even if they start selling it yeah. you know yeah you might you might be right um i i think I, i'm not opposed to uh the regulation and the taxes and i think that it's wise of the liberals to use this oh yeah i agree um, with that for lots of reasons but as long as 
as long as the rules about growing it and using it personally are completely wide open. The idea being, if I can go to a store and buy it and pay taxes and it, you know it's been regulated and whatever, just like I can go buy a tomato and I can grow one in my backyard, I should be able to do that w- yeah. with, with marijuana. So if that's the way the law ends up being written and uh, it's, again, the regulation and taxes are there, but but it's also just decriminalized you know, in, for personal use and, and growing, you know, so that small businesses can get involved, so that you can sell pot at a farmer's market. I'm, I'm, I am on board with that. Sure. I mean, I think that that's better. Obviously, I think that's better than what we have now. So I would be for it for the most part, too. Um, and this kind of, like, ties into, and we talked about this a little bit before. Like, I'm getting ready to go on vacation down in Florida, right? And the governor down there is in the news a lot, Ron DeSantis, yeah. right? And... This, like, ties back into what we've talked about with, like, making an actual difference for liberty and people being able to do what they want in the real world. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's like, what do you think about Ron DeSantis in that light? Um, I I wish I knew. I mean, so I'm I'm trying. I think generally speaking, what I've seen from DeSantis has been good. Mm -hmm. Um, but, uh, But I don't follow it closely enough to have much of an opinion. So, I mean... If you're Ron DeSantis is not a libertarian, okay? Uh, if you're going to hold up, you know, the the planks of the Libertarian Party and grade him against those, he's gonna fail, okay? Yeah. Uh, that being said, over the last month and or a month and a half, year and a half, Ron DeSantis has been like the biggest warrior for freedom in this country. Like, mm. Florida has been the best place to be as far as in terms of freedom. Anywhere in the country uh, over the last, you know, with like maybe like exceptions in like counties and shit like that, you know. Uh, But as far as states go, Florida's it. Yeah. And there are a lot of like the libertarian type of people that I can't stand who are like, if you would vote for Ron DeSantis, you're not a libertarian. But I think on some level, if you are like posed between somebody who's actually making a difference in people being able to do what they want with their lives mm. and you're going to like ruin that because you have these like philosophical principles that don't fucking mean anything mm. in real life then I, I don't know i kind of i hate those <laughs> i hate those libertarians it's, it's petty it's very yeah. petty and short-sighted hey i i did remember the thread that i was right. that i was pulling on when i was talking about uh uh, politicians, you know, having some dirt. You know, most of them have some dirt. Yeah. I was just getting the point. I was trying to circle back to was, um, but imagine that the dirt that you had was having stolen this election. Like imagine that that that's what was that was what was in your closet. Um, that coming out in the news would be the biggest. I mean, what bigger than Watergate by a long shot? Oh God! It would be the biggest controversial political news in the world that that the American democratic system has been broken. Maybe it would be but here's here's a a scenario for you. Mm -hmm. The liberal news media machine covers it up. They say it's all a lie. Listen they will Mm -hmm. And, and and most people will want to believe it and they'll believe it. Um it's sad that is the truth. What you said is the truth. There I've, will be people, even if you can show them evidence that it's bullshit, yeah. they're going to say, no, that's a lie. Yeah. 
Joe Biden's the president. And, and even if they agree that it happened, even if the evidence is overwhelming and it can't be denied, if something like that would happen, I don't think that the Democrats will lose any voters. I, yeah, don't, I don't think people... Not a significant amount. I, I think. don't think they will lose a significant amount of voters even, even after, um, you know, coming clean, you know, doing the most despicable thing you can imagine. Undermining the the the, the, the our precious democracy. I mean, unbelievable. Yeah. And and the fact that it, historically, it's never happened that a president was elected and then removed from office and and restored to office like that. Just seeing that happen, like how we would even handle that, way, it, it'll be a circus. Yeah. It, it will be a fucking circus. Which is what I want. It will be fun to watch. Yeah. And the world. I wonder what the world will think. You know. Well, that's, you know, that was one thing when Trump got elected. Everyone's like, the rest of the world is laughing at us. I do not give a care. fuck what the rest of the world thinks about us. They're I all mean, gonna, they're all going to laugh at you. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't know. That that whole Trump is making us look stupid on the world stage is, I just don't really, I mean, I don't give a shit about it. Is, Don, is Joe Biden making us look better on the world stage? Not in my opinion. Not in my opinion either. Uh, I got one more thing All right. on the on the list to talk about. Let's hear. And we'll see where this takes us. All right, so this is just like a so just you know for the audience's sake, Kyle and I, you know, we don't get to, we don't talk often, and and some of it's on purpose because we like to do this once a week on the podcast. So I'm going to open up to you in a way that I would would do if it was just you and I talking, but you guys get to listen in. So all right. you can all be flies on the wall for this conversation. All right, so. So as I'm getting older and things are changing in my life in weird ways and unexpected ways, like like the people that used to be strong and virulent, you know, members of the community are now dying off and becoming frail and weak and getting yeah. cancer and all this crazy shit is happening. Um, and I'm finding myself in the place of, in, in the place of my father in the shoes of my father in this weird way that I've accepted, but it's still very surreal to me. Um, one of the things that I'm noticing is that older people, uh, they're not taken care of by the community like they would have been in the old days. And so many old people are, are fucking lonely. And it's because, you know, all, for all kinds of reasons, but we had this weird nuclear family where we live apart from our grandparents and our cousins and our aunts and uncles. And, uh, and when people get old, that's the point where their children are, are deep in their own lives deep in their own responsibility and as busy as they're ever going to be. So when, I, when I'm in my twilight years, my family is not going to have time for me. It's going to be the worst time for them to make time for me. And that's yeah. the system that we've set up for our, our, our old people. And this is what I'm finding out, man. Old people are lonely yeah. and they don't have any friends and their family doesn't, doesn't come and visit them very often. And they spend most of their time in its sad loneliness and uh, I'm starting to be afraid of that yeah and one of the things that I'm one of the things that I'm noticing is that uh, I've always been okay with having a couple of really good friends and that's always been true and eventually some of you motherfuckers are going to start dying and then I'm going to be in a pickle man point is I'm afraid that I'm going to get old and I'm not going to have a community anymore I'm not going to have anybody anymore I'm going to be and that's more terrifying to me than dying. Like I, like I told you, the fear for me, the fear of death is is subsided almost completely. Yeah. But the fear of living, of living, you know, 20 years of my oldest, you know, uh, weakest 
most vulnerable years without companionship and humor and you know uh, somebody who knows what it's like to be do, to be going through the shit I'm going through to have to not have that to not to be you know to be able to talk about the old days and you know bitch about my aching knees that that's like a scary thing to me and I, I've just been thinking about it so yeah. what, do you, what do you think man um, I think that that is a scary idea and you know both of my grandparents on my mom's side have passed in the last three years my grandma very recently and you know my family is it was hard like both of them that their situations were hard on us um, but we were also lucky in a lot of ways uh, because you know it, it was a big uh, commitment from my whole family you know um, with my grandpa, it was me, my mom, my brother, my aunt, all staying the night over there, like, you know, once, twice a week, uh, so that if he woke up in the middle of the night and needed to go to the bathroom, he didn't, like, fall and hit his head and kill himself, you know? That's basically all we were there for, is to give my grandma a break, because she was there doing it all the time. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was hard, and when he died, there were mixed emotions, right. um, you know? Um, That's a weird thing. But a lot of, you know, all those with, I can't talk, even with those mixed emotions, you know, taken into account, I am glad that I was able to be there for both of them. Um, And I wish, looking back on it now, I wish that I would have been there for them more, Mm. you know. And when I was in it, I was, like, frustrated about it. You know, I was, like, angry, you know, sometimes. Uh, But now I wish that I could go back and just be there more, you know. Isn't that funny, man? That, that's something. That's like one of those hard-earned pieces of wisdom. Mm-hmm. If there's any, if there's any younger people listening to this, man, that's something worth paying attention to. Um, the things, the things in life that seem the most meaningful in retrospect are oftentimes the things that were the most painful, pain in the ass, you know, circumstances when it was happening. Yeah. You know, the things that hurt, the things that suck, uh, the things that you have to struggle through. Yeah. For some reason, those are the things that are worthwhile that you remember, and everything else sucks. Everything else can suck it. Yep, I agree with that. Strange. I think that um, you know, talking about the way we have things set up. Like I said, my family was lucky in that we were able to like cut cut the time out to be able to be there for them, to take care of them. You know, not everyone is that lucky, and there were times where we had to send both of them into like nursing facilities, and it's just fucking depressing, man. It's not good. Uh, my fiance works has worked in those kind of places. It's not good, man. Like you think about what we do to our old people, and it's fucked up. It's fucked up, man. And I, you know, this is this like gets back into politics. Like there's a you know a significant portion of the right wing of this country who are like trad. You know, they're traditionalist, mm. and there's a lot about that that I think is like stupid. If you don't want to be traditional, then don't, you know, that's fine. Do I, I don't have, like, I'm not one of these person who looks at like a libertine, well, I don't know, maybe I am on some level and is like, that's disgusting. Maybe I am on some level, but on other levels, I'm not at all. Like, it's just, it just depends on the situation. You know what I mean? Mm. Like drag queen story hour, like, you know, you got that. Did you see that thing where the dude was he had, like, his ass out, and he had a dildo, and he was, like, dressed as, like, a tie-dye monkey. And he was, like, a kid's story hour. No. Yeah. 
What? Okay, so yeah, okay, so I, I can be trad in the sense that I am not okay with that, and if my kid was there, I would be raising a fucking shitstorm. But um, I do think that in this thing we're talking about with, like, the taking care of elderly people, I think that our society could do with a little bit more of traditionalism. You mm-hmm. know, I think that that might be part of the answer to that. I think you're right. I think that... Uh People, especially people younger than us, you know, the millennial group and the younger folks, and when you say a traditional family structure, they think of a nuclear family. Yeah. But the thing is, traditional, like for most of human history, it wasn't that way. It was an extended family living together or uh, in very close quarters with extended family, basically in tribes. Yeah. Um, so we had all sorts of help and people had all sorts of value beyond their... Um, prime you know it's super important man and and i think i think there's a lot of truth in um what you brought up about the those those difficult moments uh being valuable in retrospect and we talk about that when we say you know people don't do the hard thing we avoid it you Mm -hmm. know and i do too we all do and i don't know why but it's those hard things are the things that are actually the meaningful ones and we avoid them like the plague and this is tied into the reason i brought this up is I'm scared to be, you know, in my twilight years and to be all alone. And, uh, you know, and I don't, and I, and I mean, I mean that like in a friendship perspective. I mean, like, like a friend. Sure. Then I have a friend, you know, it's like, yeah, I might have like a nice nurse at the nursing home and my family might visit every Sunday and that's great, but I want to have, you know, I want to have this, you know, mm-hmm. and, um, it's it's super super important for your freaking sanity to yeah, have absolutely. to have that, and so I thought you know, may, maybe I should just have more friends. Maybe I should make more friends, and my immediate instinct is like that's a lot of work. Yeah, that's hard, and it is hard. And like maintaining relationships and making time for people, especially when you when you're an adult with responsibilities, is way harder yeah. than, it, than you can can than you would ex- expect. Yeah. But I think I need to take my advice. I think I need to do the hard thing. Um, and maybe that you know maybe that's not the answer, but but having having more friends so that I'm less likely to out, to outlive all of you motherfuckers. So I'm gonna you know I'm more likely to have some of you guys around. I definitely think that creating communities is important, and I think that it's so important that when I have kids, if I haven't found some other kind of community, I will probably like become involved in a church you know uh, interesting so well that's a good see that's something that people don't think about is giving an outlet like like because people will write off church you know um in, the, in this modern western world people will write off church entirely but it does it does give people an opportunity to volunteer let's say and to have a uh meaning in a, in a community that's not tied to their to their family yeah um and that that's 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 something yeah. you know that's something I mean, I think ideally, if I if I could have my like perfect scenario, I would have like a large piece of land where like all of you guys lived. I mean, I'm not even saying no. that I own the piece of land, but like a large piece of land where like all of my fa- you know we don't all necessarily live in the same house. Maybe some of us do, um, <laughs> but you know what I mean. No, like, absolutely. And, and like, and not just my family, but like people who are close to me a community that'd, all of us to be together you know be, that'd be amazing i think that's i, I kind of think that's what we should be doing you know yeah seems like it makes sense it does um it does 
Well, maybe that's a good place to wrap it up, man. Oh, man. Community. We're a bunch of communists now. <laughs> <laughs> Talking about building co- hippie communes. From from anarchy to communism in an hour and thirty nine minutes. Boom, boom, only only on the Two Tongues podcast. Yep. Goodbye, everyone. Peace. Well, there you have it. That's one avenue explored, but infinitely more still to go. I hope you enjoyed thinking along with us. I know, I know, it's not easy work. Thinking, it's hard and full of uncertainties. But I'm grateful for the company as we trek through this together. Here's to hoping that the juice is worth the squeeze. See what I did there? Let's find out together in the next episode. 